0: Hey listeners, welcome to Horror Movie Club, the show where two dudes who aren't quite nerds but not quite noobs choose a horror movie each week to rate and review. I'm Oshvin and I'm on the phone with Brian and on this week's episode we're going to be covering the 2023 film Five Nights at Freddy's, directed by Emma Tammy, and starring Josh Hutcherson, Elizabeth Lail, Mary Stewart Masterson, and Matthew Lillard. This film is based on the game Five Nights at Freddy's, created by Scott Cawthon, who also worked on the screenplay, and it tells the story of a security guard at a family restaurant that houses possessed animatronics. If you're new to our show, Brian and I will have a spoiler-free discussion for the first 10 to 15 minutes, then we'll take a quick break, you'll hear some music, and then we'll come back, talk about the plot, go through the spoilers, and get into our review. Brian, were you familiar with this video game brand or franchise at all?
1: Not really. I had heard the name, but if somebody walked up to me and was like, hey, what's Five Nights at Freddy's? I'd be like, oh, I I think I know, but no, I don't know what it is. Yeah. How about you? Uh, same, same, yeah. I
0: mean, I, I just found out like a month ago this was based on a game. I thought it was going to be a, just like an original uh, picture. But yeah, I, I I think this has been like a huge game for like, since like the last 10 years or so. There have been nine games in the series. It's uh, It seems like a, a, a lot of people play this.
1: Yeah, and it has like a pretty intense fan base, I think. There's kind of a lot of conversation around this movie as to like, it's not, doesn't have a great critics uh, like the critics don't love this movie, but the fans just like poured into the theaters. Oh my and god! Yeah, made this movie incredibly successful.
0: Yeah, I th- this is uh, pro- yeah, this is probably the biggest uh film this Halloween. I mean, I, I know it's like breaking some records. It had the second best day and date opening weekend ever behind Black Widow, the best opening weekend for a horror film this year. Blumhouse's best opening opening which was Halloween before yeah, and best
1: opening of all time for Blumhouse
0: yeah yeah it's crazy second highest opening for a video game film um, yeah so it's
1: it's it's kind of blowing expectations the, the, yeah there's a huge like, cult following behind this game The third biggest opening weekend for a horror film of all time after it and it chapter two holy shit really Crazy, man. Did, did not, yeah. uh, the biggest domestic, domestic opening day ever for a video game adaptation. Oh my God. Nuts. That's wild. Nuts. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It's blown it out. I don't know where the where everyone came from and people have been playing this. Uh, and yeah, I was, I just feel like so out of the loop on this one. Right. Are you big into like video games at all? No, not at all. Oh, uh, okay. How about I, You don't play, do you? No, I mean, the most I'll do is, like, Super Mario Kart or something, but I feel like I'm missing out on, on this type of game. Uh, I watched uh, a video of someone else playing. Did, did you check any any of, like, the gameplay out? I didn't look into any playthroughs or anything. It looks really cool. It's like uh, you're the security guard, and you're just, like, watching these rooms on different cameras and uh, watching these animatronics and trying to make sure they don't spring up on you, and you've got to, like, make it through your night shift. So it's a it's a cool and like pretty tense game, which I feel like horror has bled a lot into video games over like the past decade or two.
1: Yeah, I De- mean, I would say 3 or 4 decades. Oh, yeah, just horizon horror games. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. I don't know. I feel like they've always kind of been as soon as you could make horror games, they were making them, but I feel like they really came into their own with in the 90s with stuff like Resident Evil. Mm. Yeah, would you put like Doom in there? Yeah, sure. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, and yeah, and you've got
0: so many movies now that are based on some of these video games, like Resident Evil, Doom. Uh, what else is there? There's like um, Silent Hill. Silent Hill. Oh yeah, right, right. Uh, I mean, you got the Mortal Kombat and Street Fighters. The Last are of you... Us. Oh, that's probably like the most successful. I feel like uh, video game to move or like film uh, type of movie. Are you, are you generally into these types of movies?
1: No, like a video game adaptation. Yeah. Not really, just because I don't play games that often. Um, and I've been curious about some of the newer Resident Evil ones because they seems like they stick more to the games, but still haven't gotten around to seeing them. It always seems like a very big uh, transition
0: to like take something that's working in a video game and then like build a whole storyline uh, behind it and make it a film. But a lot, a lot of games today are already had to, like Last of us and stuff they already have like pretty big uh, narratives and like world building and, and uh, stories going on in the background. Kind of yeah, right.
1: I think the the tough part might be that the plots to video games, like once you piece them into a movie, just may not convert very easily. Or mm. I don't know. So often they seem to veer away from the plots when it comes to time to put the uh, adaptation to the screen. Oh, going a different direction? Yeah, and I don't know yeah. why that is, if it's because they think the stories are weak or if it's just how it all shakes out for whatever reason. Yeah. I do feel like there might be something to the fact that in a video game information is like trickling in as you discover it. So, yeah. You're very active in the story and to be passive and just have that information told to you, it may not make the story may not end up being quite as interesting. It's a whole different you look experience at it in the form. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But I'm not sure. Yeah. No, I agree. That, that's a good way
0: to break it down. Uh, yeah, I think anytime you're jumping media-to-media media types, uh, the story is impacted, and like as the audience, your level of engagement changes and changes your relationship with the content. Yeah, so that's right. It's hard. Right. Uh, but this, also, this, this franchise also has a book behind it, like a, a trilogy, I think, of novels uh, that came out starting in 2015 uh, that the creator worked on as well. Um, what else? Uh, oh, yeah, but t- to your point about... The the score, Uh, Rotten Tomatoes, 29%, but audiences at 89%. I I can't believe that spread, can you?
1: That's maybe the biggest gap we've ever seen before between the critic and audience scores. Yeah, holy shit. What do you you think? It's just the people who are super into the game coming out and loving it? Yeah, I think the people who love the game come out and love the movie. Yeah, I I think (laughs) there's like a miniature culture war happening here too where people on Twitter are just like, oh, critics don't know anything and (laughs) they're the worst and and then other people are just like, oh, not that good of a movie. (laughs) You, (laughs) You guys just like the game. Yeah. What do you think? I mean, it just becomes, it seems like more and more often we're getting films that require knowledge Of some other piece of media in order to fully enjoy the film itself, like Easter egg laden stuff, uh, fan Mm -hmm. service type stuff. What do you make of it all? Is it good, bad, have no opinion? I I think it's hard because then you're limiting your
0: audience and like the appreciation, like who's going to appreciate it and like understand all the... Things you're calling back to, uh, so yeah. I, personally, since I, I I'm, I'm like on the uh, outside of the inner circle here, right, most times rather than not, uh, I, I'm not a big fan because I feel like I'm missing a lot of things. But I, I could see how if you're like really into the series, like you go nuts about this
1: kind of thing. But w- what do you think? Right, right, yeah. And I, I mean, in the grand scheme of things, it doesn't matter what we think because this film just like <laughs> destroyed the box office. And, yeah. <laughs> uh, it's. I guess I just think it's a little bit discouraging that things are just so much about intellectual property. and But at the same time, this isn't something from like decades ago. It's a fairly new game. So that is its own creative and original endeavor. So it's not like we're, you know, this isn't Halloween part. 14 or whatever this is right something fairly new so yeah it's intellectually right yeah it's intellectual property but it's not it's still a new creative endeavor that is not, just now being adapted for the big screen Yeah, like I I wonder in that theory, do you consider like franchises like the
0: Saw 10 or like the the Halloweens or the Nun 2s or the Exorcist? uh, You you could apply the same thing there where unless you're like caught up with the whole franchise, you're probably missing out on a lot
1: of uh, nuances of those films, right? Boy, I don't know because I feel like you don't really have to be caught up on the franchise for the Nun 2 or even Saw 10. Saw 10, okay. Those are standalone enjoyable movies and... Maybe I'm revealing my hand a little bit already on the review, but this one, I mean, certainly you could argue it's a standalone enjoyable movie as well, but it just feels like with that gap, clearly the video game fans were getting something out of it that other people were not. And whether it's (laughs) like, it truly enriches the watching experience, or they're just so damn giddy to see the thing they love on the big screen that they are going to like it no matter what. I know. I'd
0: love to get a perspective of someone who's like been playing this game for like the last few years, and uh, yeah, what the appeal is here. Cause uh, yeah, I I saw this, and then I I watched some of the gameplay. You see some of the overlap there, but uh, yeah, it's crazy like how uh, big the backstory of this game is, or like the whole world that they've created within it. Yeah, uh, yeah, I'm sure it'd be a whole
1: different experience if you knew what you're looking for. For sure. Yeah, I mean, Resident Evil is a similar thing. It's that franchise has made tons and tons and tons of money even though I don't even think about it that much in terms of the movies they made like mm-hmm. I think I've only seen one of them and so I don't know if that's video game fans pouring into the theater for those I feel like it's got to be yeah yeah Resident Evil fans coming in
0: That yeah. makes sense uh yeah great great idea for like a, a targeting like you've got a dedicated audience behind these video game franchises. Uh yeah, you know, these these films will pull them in. And I mean, it,
1: yeah, box. it is a good idea. It's just like, yeah, this audience exists. All we have yep. to do is make a movie and <laughs> they will come. Exactly. Yeah, but
0: but surprisingly, well, so the, the, the background of the story or, or this movie is interesting where Warner Brothers bought the rights in 2015, which I guess would have probably only been a year or two after the game came out. So I don't know how big The Falling would have been at that time, but uh, maybe it worked out that like it kind of stalled out and then Blumhouse stepped in and now here we are, like how many years later, uh, eight years later with, it, with the movie finally coming out. So I, I wonder if all that
1: time worked in the favor of this game, if it built more of an audience over the years. Yeah, I think that was kind of an accidental investment, like long-term growth, because I cannot picture it coming out in 2015 and just destroying the box office like it did here right yeah much different times yeah uh
0: and then Chris Columbus was tied to it at one point uh the guy who wrote Gremlins
1: and I think he directed Home Alone didn't he yeah, he did. He correct, directed Home Alone, a uh, Harry Potter movie or two, cool. Adventures in Babysitting. Yeah, it would have been very interesting to see Chris Columbus's take on this. Yeah, yeah, that would have been awesome. But he, he was ultimately replaced
0: by Emma Tammy as a director. She did the series on Netflix called Devil in Ohio, as well as a movie called The Wind uh, a few years ago. Have you seen either of those? Uh, no, I have not. Okay, I've been meaning to check out Devil in Ohio. It looks... Cool. But I I think they're kind of, I think that's like a, uh, like it's following a serial killer or something. And the wind, like, uh, looks like a pretty cool, like Western type horror film could be fun to check out. Nice. Yeah. Uh, smaller, like a a pretty small, tight cast, uh, Josh Hutchinson, most famous probably from the hunger games as PETA. Um, and then the other recognizable face for me was Matthew Lillard from uh, scream, but, uh, who else, uh, you recognize
1: anyone else? I didn't recognize anybody else. Elizabeth Lail uh, was from that Countdown movie a few years ago, from twenty nineteen. Oh, the Countdown movie. It's just called Countdown. Oh, okay. And I, I just remember the trailer was like a ticking, very much a ticking clock type premise. Oh no, okay. Uh, and a TV series called Once Upon a Time, which I think is fairly popular. Oh, okay.
0: Okay, great. Um, the, I, I think the the biggest uh, cast. Here or like the the most notable stars of this movie are the Jim Henson's Creature Shop animatronics. Yeah, for sure.
1: The, I think that yeah. was a big draw of the fans of the video game.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's so really really cool. They uh, were able to like kind of recreate that, and I, I think that shows a lot in, in the
1: film. And did you catch a lot of the trailers for this film ahead of time? No, no, I didn't. I I avoided the trailers like the plague, and you know that. So why did you even ask? <laughs> Sometimes
0: I hope like one sneaks through. To <laughs> Someone like surprises you with one when you're not expecting it. Just <laughs> like, pins s- my eyes open like clockwork. Horn. <laughs> yeah, shit, you found me. Uh, but that, that's cool. They, they they got Jim Henson's uh, Creature Shop to
1: design and, and build those. Were, were those actual animatronics then?
0: Or I they be- puppets? I
1: mean, I. That's a good question. I, I think they were probably puppets with a bit of animatronics in there. Okay, that's awesome. Yeah. Cool. Uh, one thing we didn't mention, too, that makes the box office situation even more astounding is that this was released simultaneously in theaters and on Peacock.
0: Oh, right. Um, yep.
1: And they've tried this with you know other films as well. They did it with the Firestarter remake. They did it with Halloween Kills, which Halloween Kills, that was also a $20 million budget and made $133 million, uh, which huh. is what this movie has already. So yeah. it seems like the Peacock stuff... If it's hindering the box office, it's hard to tell exactly how much. Yeah. Did you end up seeing this on Peacock or at the theater? I would
0: watch it on Peacock at home. Same, same. Yeah, and then the Peacock uh, revenues aren't
1: tied to box office at all, right? Like streaming? No, uh, it's not. Or... But it's just a, an attempt to gain subscribers and compete with other streaming services. And yeah, I, I think it might be working because I have noticed that a good chunk of the time these days when I'm watching horror movies, they're on Peacock. Like, yeah, it's become one of my more used services, like, slowly and steadily. Yeah, I actually subscribed for it
0: just for this film. Uh, I thought I had a subscription, but I, I guess I didn't. And, uh, yeah, the, their library's, like, pretty decent. Uh, but that is so weird that, like, these movies being released in, t- in two uh, areas are still performing so well. Uh, why, do, do you think... Uh, peacock somehow boosts the box office performance like do people does that build the hype more for
1: people to go out to theaters i wouldn't think so man i i think i would think of them as two totally separate things yeah competing right yeah but, right I, yeah yeah I don't, I don't
0: get that how, how that works uh but the, I, I don't know there must be like a reason studios choose to do that uh there was a while right where like everything that was at universals putting out was coming out or was it like yeah i think it was universal it was coming out on hBO at the same time as well I can't remember
1: the situation there, but yeah, the uh, the studios have been kind of toying with it ever since the pandemic. Yeah, right, and yeah, it doesn't seem to be detracting from box office.
0: it's Just really weird. No, not at all. Yeah. Well, okay, cool. A- any other background on this movie?
1: Uh, yeah, the music was done by the Newton Brothers, who have uh, composed the scores for every one of Mike Flanagan's projects since Oculus in twenty thirteen. Oh, cool. Okay. Cinematography was done by by Lynn Moncrief, who did They, Them, six episodes of Into the Dark, uh, and did The Wind, which you were just mentioning, and The Last Shift. Let's see. What else did I want to mention? I feel like there were some discussion points I wanted to bring up with you, but maybe we'll pepper them throughout. Actually, I was just prepared for you to, like, talk about Blumhouse uh, in a negative way, and I had some <laughs> some, <laughs> some counter-arguments, but it hasn't happened Some defenses of so, some Blumhouse. <laughs> so we'll
0: wait. Yeah, but I mean, that, that was a good bet on them that, that, that they put down uh, back in 2017, and uh, cool to see it pan out
1: for them. Yeah, they that sure paid off. Oh, I have something yeah. I wanted to say. We never, I don't think at all in the month of October, mentioned the... <laughs> The holiday of Halloween (laughs) the entire time. And that is unfortunate. We are a horror movie podcast. (laughs) Yeah. I just feel so steeped in horror all the time that I'm like, la da 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 da. But we hope everybody had a happy Halloween. This will come out the day after. Yeah. Um and to those of you that just found us during the Halloween season, you know, we're here every week, so stick around. We just released a Patreon episode on Anaconda. If you want to go check that out, you can go to horrormovieclub.com and click on the big orange button and subscribe for a dollar a month. I wanted to remind people we also have a Letterboxd account now. Our name is Horror Movie Club all one word on Letterboxd. And some Patreon shoutouts to new patrons, Sam P, Cameron B, Jamie B, Miriam G, Bri- Brianna B, Hunter, Taylor S, Jordan H, Alec P, JT Bone, Tommy S, and Phantom Dark Dave. So thank thanks to all of you for supporting the show. We appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for your support. Hey, on that point about it being Halloween,
0: I was thinking about this over the weekend. Uh, do you kind of miss not watching horror films just around Halloween? Because uh, like, it, it used to be something you'd associate with this time of year, but like now that we do this every week,
1: do you feel like that dilutes the, the month? It kind of does, unfortunately. And every year I tell myself, okay, I'm going to hit horror hard for Halloween. And even when I do, it doesn't feel that much harder than usual. So I, <laughs> Yeah. Next yeah. year I really wanna just like gather up the horror movies that I think are super Halloween y and, and just watch those in October. Oh yeah. Yeah. Like Yeah, maybe we could we
0: did that for one Halloween, right? Or like one month where we just watched movies that took place on
1: Halloween. We did, yeah. And and so I feel like we've used some of those up, but there are some I'd really love to go back to. Like I'd love to watch Night of the Demons every Halloween season, yeah. Tales of Halloween, I'm so-so yeah. on Terrifier, but it is a very Halloween vibe. It Follows has a Halloween vibe to me, even though it doesn't take place on Halloween. <laughs> right. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. there's some classics that, that really make uh, the season feel like it's here. So For it's, sure. Uh, I, I
1: feel like we are a little bit robbed of that. Yeah, right. We're right. kind of business as usual. So, sorry we didn't uh, bask in Halloween as much as we probably should have, gang. Yeah, next year. At least we covered Halloween 4 on Patreon. Yeah. Oh, that was Patreon, right, right. Yeah. Yeah, that was great. Cool. Uh, You got an
0: Ohio connection for us?
1: Yeah, let's move on to this Ohio connection. As always, our friend Alex connects every movie we watch to our home state of Ohio for us. Alex owns the Jukebox Bar and Restaurant in Cleveland, Ohio, so go check out Jukebox if you're in the area. And Alex says, Five Nights at Freddy's is a supernatural horror film based on the video game franchise of the same name. The film stars Josh Josh Hutcherson. Boy, that's a hard name to say for me. Josh Hutcherson as a troubled security guard who accepts a nighttime job at an abandoned family entertainment center called Sparky's, where he discovers its four animatronic mascots are alive and will kill anyone there after midnight. YouTuber Matt Pat makes an appearance as a diner waiter. Matt Pat, born Matthew Robert Patrick, is the creator of the Game Theorist, the Film Theorist, the Food Theorist, and the Style Theorist YouTube channels, each analyzing various video games, films, TV series, web series, food, and fashion. Patrick narrates the majority of the videos that are presented on his channels, and he has amassed over 40 million subscribers as well as over 8 billion total views across all five of his channels. Matt Pat was born in Medina, Ohio. Awesome. Wow. Cool. Yeah, I'm still, like out
0: of loop on like Oh, me too, YouTuber's dude. I don't know. I don't something. know a single YouTuber. <laughs> yeah, yeah, same. Uh, the other thing I, where I think where, the, where this movie is probably big is Twitch. You ever get on Twitch? No, I haven't. Yeah, I think that's where a lot of people go to watch uh, people play video games, and that's another thing I'm I'm not totally caught up on. But yeah, I, I feel so out of it on, on the side uh, of uh, this movie. Pop this whole thing makes me feel pretty old. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> cool. All right. Well, on on that note, uh, great connection. You ready to get into the plots and hit some spoilers and, and review the film? Let's do it. Okay, cool. Hey, uh, before we do, though, do you mind if we take a quick break? I, I just got to go uh, try to remember where I left the my, my, my notes for this film at. Uh, can I give you a call right back? Yeah, sure. All right, cool. I'll be right back. Hey, Brian. Sorry about that. I'm I'm, I'm back. Yeah? You uh, able to find your notes? Yeah. It was taking a little while, so I, I did this trick where I, I just took a bunch of sleeping pills and uh, I used dream theory to follow myself uh, in all everything I did yesterday. And so, uh, as I watched myself taking a shit on the toilet, I saw I left the notes right there in the bathroom. And sure enough, I, w- I went back and there it was. <laughs> it's a great, great trick. It always works. <laughs> nice. <laughs> nice. Nice. So the movie opens with a security guard at a family restaurant called Freddy Fazbear's Pizza. Uh, the security guard's being chased by figures that we can't see, and he's ultimately captured and strapped to the seat where a face mask built of whirring blades is coming towards his face, and he, we think for a minute he's going to be able to escape because he's unwinding uh, some bolt that is in the chair that's holding him down, but uh, it doesn't. I don't think he gets out of there and... Uh, that it cuts to uh, our main character. But what did you think of
1: this opening hook? I thought it was uh, pretty cliche and just not particularly scary. Um, I didn't really care for it. It was just uh, blah. What did you yeah. think? I agree. I agree. It was very, very uh, blah, uh, not very
0: interesting. I, I like that it kind of gave us a false sense of hope that he might get out of there. But uh, th- that was that was about the only dynamic it had to it.
1: Yeah, not particularly suspenseful or anything. Just very rote. It felt. Yep. Yep. And
0: uh, it, it. I don't know. Like uh, if the main purpose was just kind of like scene setting of like the the restaurants or like yeah. I mean, we know going into this that there's going to be like some animatronics coming around and and we get like a some shadow work here, but not much else, right? Right. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. Okay. So then we meet our main character Mike, who lives and takes care of his younger sister, Abby, uh, who lives with and takes care of his younger sister, Abby. <laughs> he, he lives. <laughs> he also lives. Yeah. He survives. He works as a security guard at a mall, but loses his job one day when he assaults an, another father for uh, assuming he was kidnapping his child. Uh, this erratic behavior is later explained when we learn that Mike, when he was a kid, had his younger brother uh, be abducted in front of him during a camping trip. And since then, he's been obsessed with using dream theory to keep having this recurring dream of that incident from when he was younger, in the hopes that he can somehow find a clue on who it was that kidnapped his brother so many years back. Uh, what would you think of the character setup of Mike, his sister Abby, and his whole attempt here of like trying to yeah, chase down this uh, clue
1: around uh, who kidnapped his brother? I think my opinion of it at this point in the movie is different than what my opinion of it becomes later in the movie. But for now, I was on board. You got a character with a tragic past, trying to uh, reckon with that past in his day to day life, and things aren't going that well for him. I, I was on board with this character.
0: Okay, I, I was. I, yeah, I, I think, uh, and I think purposefully, uh, the relationship between him and his younger sister like isn't much of a relationship, right? It's just kind of him like telling, giving her orders. Uh, telling her what to do, and and they're, they're kind of strained and in distance, uh, and I don't know. Uh, he's he's also, I don't know if it's the actor here, but he he does seem a little bit lifeless. I know we just talked about him being alive, but uh, he is kind of like a, a rundown guy, right?
1: Yeah, and I think that's the performance. I, I think uh, you know Pedo was quite a lovable character, and this this guy is not. So I think that yeah. that's that's Josh Hudson Hudson. Uh, treating the character the way he feels it should be treated. So sure. I, I was okay with that. Okay. Yeah. Maybe a depressed
0: person trapped in like the grief of the past. That
1: yes. Yeah. So uh,
0: now that he's unemployed, uh, he's also now risking losing custody of his sister, Abby, to this aunt of his who is kind of like a Cruella Deville, where she's just like scheming to get uh, custody of his sister. Uh, so Mike visits with a career counselor named Steve Raglan who offers Mike a security job at the family establishment called Freddy Fazbear's Pizza that we saw in the beginning. Uh, It's a place that's been shut down for decades, but for some reason uh, has still been there, not knocked down, and requires a night guard. Hey, actually, talking about the setting of this film, what year does this film take place in?
1: My, My belief is that it's sometime in the 90s because there's a lot of landline phones, I, I don't think if that place had closed down in the 80s, it wouldn't have been around for like 40 years. So, sure. uh, yeah, it, everything in the film was dated. There was no new technology okay. that I saw that would make me believe it was anywhere later than the 90s. Yeah, yeah, that that makes a lot of sense. Okay, so
0: yeah, 90s and like this place is maybe like an 80s spot that has been shut down. Right. Okay so the first night he's working there he falls asleep and has the recurring dream about being in the woods on the day his brother's kidnapped but this time there are five kids in this dream with him and he tries to ask them about who took his brother but the kids run away the second night he has the same dream and the five kids show up there again and he chases them to try to ask them about his brother garrett but he ends up cutting his arm uh, he wakes up and a police officer is at the door uh, a young woman named Vanessa officer Vanessa she comes in and shows Mike around introduces him to all the animatronics that we see fully for the first time and she also lets on that a number of kids went missing nearby in the 80s and they suspected the owner of 5 nights at Freddy or at at uh, a at F- Freddy Faz- Fazbear's uh, pizza but they never found any evidence. Uh what'd you think? Was it was it pretty weird to have this like character show up and like walk him through the whole place and how things work?
1: It's very strange for a police officer to like care at all about a security guard at some broken down, long closed establishment. Um so I mean it's clear that her character is gonna have some significance and some tie to this place, but yeah, it feels pretty unnatural yeah yeah that she just shows up and I
0: guess he's like also kind of a little bit weirded out by it too so yeah uh yeah okay uh yeah I I, I, I was like really scratching my head there but I, I guess that that makes sense <laughs> later in the film
1: <laughs> yeah uh, yeah d- d- <laughs> I watched this with my brother-in-law and he was like this is so unbelievable, and that cop is just way too hot to be dropping by there in the middle of the yeah. night and hanging out None of this him. checks
0: out. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, but I, I thought this is a good uh, way of like, setting the scene of the, the restaurant and uh, first kind of look at the animatronics. What would you think?
1: Yeah, I think so. I don't know why it had to be her showing him around. It makes it way less threatening. Like, why didn't we get him poking around? On his own more like there was maybe a little bit of that, but I feel like so many of the the tricks I thought this movie would have up its sleeve and the strengths that I thought were inherent to it, just knowing the premise were not capitalized on at all. Like Mm -hmm. if if someone just told me like, hey, Brian, you're going to be the security guard at a Chuck E. Cheese that's been closed for a decade and you're going to stay there all night. That's I would be more creeped out like I could just take a video of myself walking around the place and it would be creepier than mm-hmm. what this movie does with that setting. Right. I agree. I
0: think the way that the reason they approach it this way, though, uh, I think has to do with how the game is presented. Because in the game you're a security guard, but I think the whole time you're just sitting in the security room and just looking at different cameras. So maybe to stay true to the game, rather than have a movie where he's walking around getting like spooked out by like what he's finding, uh, he kind of has. And, and in the game, there's like this narrator who's like explaining everything to him. Uh, so maybe she's like filling in that role for from the game of like a tour guide, basically walking him around. Gotcha,
1: and that might. I mean, that could be one of the things where. Critics don't like this movie, but the fans of the video game do because it sounds like they think it stayed fairly true. Just from the few, I have no authority to speak for the entire gaming community, but from (laughs) some of the comments I'm seeing online, it seems like they were pretty happy with the faithfulness to the game, even though it did make some changes. Yeah, yeah. Okay, that's that's good to know.
0: Yeah, cause I, I actually think uh yeah I'm I'll be curious to to kind of go back and uh, talk about like how the how the game works versus this one, but I I agree like this could have been a way scary movie if if you had like a typical sequence where he's wandering around and tripping on things and like I mean we do get like a a, a pop out scare here too, right where like he sees a small figure like in a closet or something. Yeah. Right. Yeah, but but nothing uh that uh, like bigger than that um so the next day a pair of goons that's been hired by mike's evil aunt breaks into the establishment and starts smashing up the place in an attempt to get mike fired but then here i think we get our first kind of traditional horror film attack scene where these goons are attacked by the animatronic figures who come to life and, uh, I think we get some pretty fun attacks. One's like a cupcake that like flies at someone and like bites the, bites them, uh, bites their face. Uh, another person, uh, oh, a woman gets, uh, chomped in half by one of the monsters. Uh, I forget the other
1: kills. What, what were the other kills? I think the one guy just kind of gets locked in a room with one of the animatronics and you don't really see what happens, but you see his bloody handprint on the door. Yep. Um, right. Um,
0: and then another one, like, kind of gets attacked by like the flying fox, kind of machine. Yeah, yeah.
1: So, it, it's not bad, but they it just—it just feels like some stuff was left on the table here. That woman getting chopped in half was the coolest moment, but it was just kind of very quick. It was, yeah. And then like some of these kills, you're not even really seeing what's happening.
0: Uh, and it, I, I think uh, that that's where I wonder if the PG thirteen. Uh, Ness of this film kind of comes in and maybe deters from like what could otherwise be a like a gorier and like a deadlier movie
1: Yeah, I do think that's part of it but I also just think there's more that could have been done in the script and The direction to make this pop a little bit more This is another thing that made me believe it was the 90s because these guys agreed to break into this place and destroy it for (laughs) $1,000, $1,000, <laughs> I think split among at least two people. And yeah. I feel like today they'd be like,
0: no, nah, we're good. <laughs> the going rate today for breaking into a place like this is probably, uh, I don't know,
1: a few thousand. I, I usually know. do it for only five grand minimum.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly.
1: Yeah. That checks out then, $1,000. And, <laughs> and only 90s. knowing that I can take this creepy footage and post it on YouTube. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, that's, yep.
0: Uh, so yeah, I, I agree. I, I thought the suspense around some of these kills were, were a lot of fun. It was cool to finally see these things come to life and, and kill some people, which is I think what we all came into this film for. But yeah, I agree that they underdelivered a little bit, um, which which is unfortunate. That night, Mike returns to work, but uh, he also brings his sister Abby with him as well because the woman who got eaten by the animatronic a, a few scenes ago was a, her babysitter. So he falls asleep and has a stream with the kids again. But this time he wakes up and Abby is now playing with the animatronics. He uh, realizes, with Abby's help, that the animatronics are actually possessed by the ghosts of the kids who went missing in the 80s and the ones that he's been seeing in his dreams. So all, all three of these things, I guess, are connected. Officer Vanessa shows up on uh, night three and the three of them, or sorry, on, on like the next night, and the, and the three of them. Play some games with the animatronics, and it's clear now that Officer Vanessa knows that the animatronics also come to life and uh, she's in on the secret. Um, ac- Abby accidentally gets hurt when she touches the guitar of one of the animatronics, and Vanessa gives Mike a stern warning to never bring Abby back to this place. Uh, what do you think of these sequences of uh, Abby playing with the animatronics? Those kind of coming to life a bit more scary? Uh,
1: worrisome? And- no, I mean, <laughs> not really. I mean, it was meant to be kind of playful and like they were having fun and they have a montage of them building a fort while Connection by Elastica is played in the background. Oh, yeah. A song that I loved in the 90s. That uh, was another 90s Connection. Oh, yeah. Um, This is where I, the movie was kind of beginning to lose me if it hadn't lost me already. It's just such a tonal clash to me that... Our main character here is having these tragic flashbacks in his depressing apartment of when his brother was abducted as a child right in front of his eyes. And we learn at some point that his mom died and his father killed himself. And then you've got like, oh, a fort building montage with the animatronics. It's just like, what is this? Who is this for? It's got an ultra serious and dark character journey but then it's trying to have some fun along the way and it's just <laughs> weird i it, it none of it really lands for me it feels kind of inauthentic
0: i agree i agree you're on like so many different pages here and i i think now like the complicated uh storyline with these uh animatronics like their kids that show up in his dream that are also ghosts that possess these robots it's it, it's just uh it's kind of like so many layers now to this movie <laughs> and yeah there, there's no kind of like straight arrow on like what's going on it's like you're being pulled in all these different directions tonally and now these robots who've like we've only seen kill people uh are these animatronics they, they're also uh it looks like they, they know how to play and have a good time too so like yeah i'm kind of like unsure of how to feel about everything at this point
1: Yeah, and then, like, she gets hurt by, like, strumming one of their (laughs) guitars. It's like, oh, that's the danger with these things? Like, you you just (laughs) don't strum the guitar? Or are they giant murderous robots? Like, (laughs) right, exactly. Why? Why was that the moment? (laughs) Yeah, but they're really good with kids. (laughs) Yeah, but then also later, Vanessa's like, if you bring her around here again, I'll kill you. (laughs) What? (laughs) Vanessa's character was loopy. I mean, I guess. Vanessa's.
0: I I thought Mike was probably because remember he's like uh, yelling at Vanessa like, oh, what if uh, Abby had gotten hurt if like, uh, how do you know so much about this place? He was like getting really mad at her. And then like when he sees like that one robot in the corner that like has that spring trap, he like yells at Vanessa about it. So I feel like he's uh, not making any sense, like taking his like bad decisions out on uh, Vanessa a bit.
1: No one's making sense. And he leaves his little sister alone in the room with like all these animatronics (laughs) to like go do something else. It's like, no, never. Yeah. Would anyone exactly. ever do that?
0: Yeah, I agree. So these character decisions aren't uh, really making a lot of sense. Yeah. And uh, yeah, there's there's a real communication breakdown here. Um. Well. So. It, oh yeah. And then I, I feel like yeah the, these animatronics are losing some of their scariness since they're uh, like uh, since they like building forts with kids. Uh. The next day, Mike has his evil aunt come over to babysit Abby while he goes to the restaurant and falls asleep again to dream about his brother's kidnapping. In the dream, this time the kids, the ghost kids, offer him the ability to have his brother back, but in return they want his sister Abby. Mike, in a moment of weakness, I guess, agrees at first, but then, like two seconds later, realizes that it's the wrong decision and tries to back out on it, but it's too late. Uh, he wakes up and he gets attacked by the animatronics, uh, but he's he makes it out of the building and is rescued by Vanessa. Meanwhile the main animatronic Freddy goes to Mike's house and kills the evil aunt and takes Abby back to the establishment to turn her now into an animatronic. Uh, were you surprised that he agreed to exchange Abby for his lost brother? Yeah. I mean,
1: that's like his journey, I guess. But, and I think that part of his journey is like, you need to realize that you have your sister and like, that's who you need to focus your energy on now, but he doesn't really like end that journey in a satisfying way. It's just kind of half-hearted like it, it does goes through all this trouble to set up his character backstory and stuff and it's just it kind of loses its way and fizzles out eventually once the movie is like, oh yeah, this movie's actually about possessed animatronics, <laughs> not some guy with his dead little brother like, yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I know. I, I think that's like a, a pretty weak story arc. Uh, but yeah, they, they're trying to show like maybe he's been a shitty caretaker because he's been so obsessed with this one idea. And like this is at some moment, some for some reason now he realizes it and it's like too late. Yeah. Uh,
1: and and really like he tells people he's trying to go so he can go back to the past so he can find something out about the killer. But really it's like he wants his brother back and he feels guilt that he, this happened in front of him. Yeah. Which none of that is like fully explored in any interesting way. Um, Yeah. Yeah. I
0: agree. I agree. Not not a very likable character. Um, Vanessa reveals to Mike that her dad was the owner of the restaurant and he is the one that abducted all the kids back in the eighties and he put their bodies into the animatronics and that the ghosts of these kids are now after Abby to turn her into an animatronic. So Mike goes back to the restaurant to save Abby. He takes down some of the machines by short circuiting them before he gets attacked uh, by one of them, by the by the cupcake again. Um, and now a giant yellow rabbit pops out, and we've seen this yellow rabbit in pictures uh, that have been drawn before, that show like, and, and I think some of the ghost children have talked about the yellow rabbit being kind of like their leader, uh, but. This yellow rabbit comes out, and we know now that this this is the head honcho of all the ghost children, and it's presumably the person who abducted all of them. The rabbit takes off its mask, and it's revealed that it's Steve Raglan, the guy who hired Mike. He's apparently the owner of this restaurant and the abductor of the children, who he somehow manages to control. Uh, did you see this twist coming?
1: I did, just because you know it's Matthew Lillard in that role, and... He yeah. hesitates at the guy's last name when he's looking at his resume or something, which his last name's Schmidt. His name's Mike Schmidt, so not super distinctive, yeah. but he seems to recognize that name. <laughs> and then he's yeah. like, Oh, okay, if you're Mike Schmidt, I then I've got a gig you. for you. <laughs> which also why? Like why, um, Yeah. Why him? More why like I, yeah. just out of a weird sick sense of humor that like, oh, I killed your brother, so you should work at this as a security guard at this place. Right, right. Yeah, I, I don't understand the motive here at all. Uh,
0: like, first off, why do you have a security guard at this place that is like abandoned? Yeah. Uh, do you need someone to like watch over it? And then, yeah, what was his motivation here to get the same guy back there? And how is Vanessa complicit in this? Like, what was her role? Because he's like, you had one thing to do, like, uh, just make sure he doesn't get too close to the truth or something. or. Uh, something like that. But yeah, n- none of this made sense in terms of what- Right, like the right. Why or... even
1: hire security guards if, yeah. <laughs> like...
0: <laughs> if- you got a cop stopping by every night. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I do not I understand that. But so uh, now uh, Steve, who I, I think his real name in the, it's revealed in the movie and- in William the game Afton. Is William Afton. Right. Yeah. yeah. So him and the animatronics prepare to kill Mike. But at this point, Mike tells Abby that she needs to show the ghost children that the yellow bunny isn't their friend and is actually their abductor. So she quickly draws up a picture of the yellow bunny abducting the kids and hangs it on the wall. And seeing this, the possessed animatronics turn on Will, uh, what, William Afton? Yep. And trigger his bodysuit to cut into him. Mike and Abby escape and they take Vanessa, who's been stabbed and now in a coma. And the movie ends with Mike and Abby having rebuilt their relationship and Abby being less of a picky eater. Uh,
1: and, and Mike <laughs> goes to visit uh, Vanessa in the hospital and is just like, hey, like we like you, <laughs> even though you kind of <laughs> tried to kill us and yeah. it makes zero sense. Yeah, yeah. This ending made no sense. <laughs> there was a, a scene, too, where him and Vanessa were having like a heart-to-heart and she threw his prescription pills in a pond <laughs> <laughs> what she oh yeah damn. yeah and yeah, then the she pills. told him she should consider himself that he should consider himself lucky because he's got his sister yeah <laughs> and he had just told her hey uh, some things you should know about me and my brother was abducted right in front of my eyes at age 12 presumably murdered my mom died later and then my dad killed myself or killed himself (laughs) she's like you're lucky (laughs) what (laughs) this movie just has like inexplicable dialogue moments like that and character relationships that even when you learn what secrets those characters might be hiding still don't make sense they don't make any sense. Yeah, uh, I don't understand Vanessa or William Afton in this. Th-
0: those two don't make sense. Uh, the main character, though, I, I I don't know. Like that that scene you mentioned, like he's like a sad sap. Like this whole movie, he's just like really down. He's like focused on one thing and and uh, kind of not a really fun guy to be around. You think she's like trying to like? I, I think she's trying to push him to like uh, realize that he's got like a sister in his life and and to feel something about that because he he kind of takes it for granted the whole time, right? He does. Right.
1: Yeah but hey, hey, I, I think you that's do big that by
0: <laughs> like throwing the pill brushing over all the tragedies in his
1: life and throwing his prescription in the water. Yeah,
0: yeah, it doesn't make a lot of sense. And then Vanessa's got some crazy backstory, too, like uh, being the son of this kidnapper guy. The and daughter,
1: it, yeah. Oh, yeah, the daughter, right, yeah. If Vanessa was a woman. If Vanessa was a woman, exactly. Um, I think it's crazy, too, that like these five kids went missing in the same town as this guy's little brother around the same time and he wasn't aware of it. Like, he's obsessed with his brother's death and finding the killer, but mm-hmm. no idea that five other children were murdered yeah. at the like exact the same time, pretty much.
0: Yeah. Uh, the other thing, I think uh, those kids, like, his brother was kidnapped in Nebraska, I think. Like, they were on, like, some Oh, that's trip, right? true. Yeah. Why Nebraska? I don't know, but, like, this, like, now he lives What's in the same this town. guy doing? As
1: yeah. So what why, why ch- did this guy go to Nebraska <laughs> yeah. to abduct, why, abduct a kid? Exactly. And why are they like both
0: in the same small town now or whatever? Because this movie I don't think takes place in Nebraska.
1: No. I don't think yeah. so. Because she's like, oh, Nebraska, huh? Yeah. And she sees the poster.
0: Yeah. That doesn't add up. <laughs> That's <really> weird. Ah,
1: <laughs> oh, weird. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I think I think they stopped trying to make sense at the end of this film and were just like kind of hoping the
1: animatronics would like hold everyone's attention. Yeah, it really, uh, there's so many like open questions. Like, also, how does William Afton control the ghosts of dead children Mm -hmm, and like (laughs) get them to possess animatronics accordingly? Um, How do they not know that it was him that killed them? Right. And I think the script's biggest sin is that it spends so much time on this backstory of, okay, I'm trying to find my brother who was killed when we were young and oh there's also these animatronics possessed by these kids that were killed when they were young how is one of those kids not his brother like oh that just seems like such an obvious like <laughs> okay this is where these two plot points collide yeah <laughs> but they're right. like no let's not make it really happen that way <laughs> his brother was just another kid that was murdered yeah he was the sixth kid that never made it into yeah <laughs> he got he never made it into the crew he tried out for the band but he didn't make yeah. the cut not good enough. It yeah. just seems, like, so obvious. Like, that yeah. is where the overlap should be. And then he can, like, confront his brother, and they can have some sort of heart-to-heart, or... Yeah. Yeah, it it makes no sense. And then, yeah, yeah you could still have that scene of, like, the offer of the trade, like, your brother for your sister. Right. If, and then if that would have been even like, more compelling. Like, yeah. I see my brother, I've talked to him, like... I can have him back.
0: I don't know. Yeah, that could have been interesting. I think the way that ghost kids are painted here though, they they seem evil. Uh, like, I mean, yeah, obviously there's a part of them that's being controlled by William Afton, but even like in the dream sequences, like they're kind of assholes. So I don't know if he'd, he'd want to see his brother in like that kind of light of, of being one of the ghost children and falling into that, uh, yeah, like that kind of personality.
1: Yeah, they do seem like they're evil, and they don't do a good job of making them seem like they're controlled by him, and that's why they do bad things. Like, they right. seem ominous on their own.
0: Yeah, yeah, the control part doesn't make a lot of sense. Yeah. The, it, it only comes to play, like, at, at the like this last act of the film, where suddenly the picture's changed, and <laughs> it influences, which I, I thought was such, like, a dumb, like, kind of uh turnaround uh, at the end, like, oh, let, let me draw a picture. And, and then they'll see the truth.
1: The like child therapist <laughs> earlier in the movie says something like, sometimes children understand best with images rather than words, which is just <laughs> setting up the point for her to draw this picture. I just feel yeah. like a horror should just put a moratorium on kids drawing pictures <laughs> at all. Like <laughs> stop doing it enough. for like five to 10 years so that we can forget yeah. the trope. Yeah. It's so tired. In. Yeah. I know. I but, know. I don't know this is for a younger audience I, so the tropes and the clichés aren't gonna wear as thin on them cuz they haven't seen been watching them for decades but um I don't know it's so weird to me cuz I'm so tempted to be like who is this for it's got like this ultra dark stuff and then this Kind of zany fort building scene, and the cab driver, like, whoa, who's in my back seat? <laughs> it's an animatronic. <laughs> but then there's like child abduction and murder, and a guy who's like been haunted by it for a decade. Yeah. There's some deep themes there, dark it, stuff. Yeah. So I'm, yeah, I want to be like, who the hell is this for? But clearly, my little opinion matters not because it is for the video game fans and they're fucking loving it. And yeah, yeah I'm, I guess it just must nail the game or or they just love so much seeing what's, what they've spent so much time with in the games on screen because it makes no... Well, I think it does make mistakes. It's a watchable movie, but it's just so utterly dull mm-hmm. that I'm amazed that it's just crushing the box office. And it's, it's tempting to get kind of depressed. Like, oh, literally, we've talked about this with Exorcist Believer. Like, all you have to do is make a movie that involves some successful IP, and that's it. Like, you don't have to worry right. about the movie being good. Yeah. A good and story that's what anything. they did. They just made a very average movie, and it crushed it. Like It really did. I, I guess I'm not depressed, because whatever, who cares? But <laughs> it's just like, wow, all yeah, right, that's but, all it takes. It's, it's what a does business. it say about audiences? It makes is things feel more like a business than an art.
0: Yeah, yeah. You know, I, I have two minds, because on, on one hand, I, I think you could say what you're saying, which, uh, yeah, they took a franchise, they uh, yeah put, like, half a brain behind it and try to make a story. On the other hand, though, uh, maybe that was the downfall of the film is that they tried too hard to give Mike this backstory of, like, being caught in this, uh, trauma from a younger age and like bringing this whole story of like, cause the, I think the main story here outside of the, what's going on at the pizza place is the, between a brother and a sister who've like been disconnected. And like at the end, like they're like, uh, working together much better. So, uh, I, on on another hand, you, you, you could say they, they went out of the way to try to like build a, build this movie around a relationship that doesn't exist in the video game. So that could be a sign of them trying to tell a story, just not a very good one.
1: Yeah, I do do think they're trying to tell a story. It's just not a good one. Um, yeah. And whenever I see like five or six writers on, behind a script, I just my confidence goes down in the fact that that script's going to be any good. Uh, sure. I just feel like you get too. <laughs> That's also a red flag. Too many cooks in the kitchen yeah. and things get confusing. One thing that really irked me with the script too. This is a small thing, but there was something in the earlier in the film where he's having that interview with Matthew Lillard's character, and. Uh, He's like, uh, all you got to do with the job is like, just watch the monitors and uh, keep the place. You only got to do one thing. Watch the yeah. monitors and keep the place tidy. And he's like, that's two things. And, and then later, later. He, he often chastises his daughter. Like, yeah. And he's like, you had one you job to, to do. And he says two things. And she goes, that's two things. <laughs> <It's just> like, <laughs> really? This is the line we're circling back on? It is utterly uh. insignificant. <laughs> yeah and I, not clever or funny <laughs> oh I actually thought the comedy was uh, kind of decent in this film
0: like that, that line like repeating uh, I thought was kind of funny uh, when he's like trying to explain the drugs that she finds like oh they're, they're, they're like these I use them for sleeping she's like I it says right on here I know what these are for <laughs> it says it like on the bottle or like uh, when he like shows up to save Abby and he's like you know revealing to her like oh you know I realize you're important man I love you she's like yeah okay but we need to get out of here like so I, I thought there are some parts that they used humor pretty well, but I uh, you, you weren't into it. No, no, oh. I'm not
1: into your sense of humor. <laughs>
0: yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that cracks me up too. Yeah, <laughs> it's yeah, funny, I, I thought, man. Some things yeah. we totally agree on with humor, and others
0: I'm just like, <laughs> I know what. I I think it was just like so unexpected, and it's just these like kind of funny lines. Uh, and even like Matthew Lillard, I I thought his performance was like pretty comedic
1: when we see him. As like the career coach, did you think so? I thought he was good. Honestly, I didn't think any of the performances were were bad. I my biggest complaint with the movie is just the script. I think is, yeah, bad, and the very uninteresting.
0: Yeah, yeah, the script is bad, very uninteresting. Uh, the plot, I yeah, I, I think the plot for me, I, I think I feel like they overcomplicated it in a big way between the ghost animatronics, uh, his like past uh, and everything. Um, I don't know. I I feel like maybe they uh, were too ambitious, and maybe that kind of just made a lot of the movie just not make sense uh, with some of the plot points.
1: Yeah. I also just feel like the main draw here, at least for someone not familiar with the games, is, oh, creepy animatronics that come to life and kill people, but really that happens like once (laughs) in one scene. That middle scene, yeah. Yeah. And you really just don't get enough of the animatronics in my opinion they look good but they are not utilized for scares nearly as well as they could have been and Uh, yeah i just don't think we spend enough time with them like and that i appreciate them trying to add a, a very human story and this struggling character but they spend too much time on this grim depressing dream flashback and not enough time on the animatronics in a movie about animatronics yeah. It is
0: surprising. Like you probably go back to the dreams five, six times in this movie. Yeah, there's it's, a lot of screen time spent on it. And it's like dreary. Yeah. It really is. I feel like, yeah, half the film, this guy's just taking naps to yeah. have dream. He's <laughs> just watching this guy sleep and talk to people in his dreams, which yeah, that that, that takes a lot of gas out of the the scares.
1: Yeah, and the experience like one of the most horrible things a person can experience, which again is just like a Sad. who was this made for? Yeah. Yeah. I know. Uh, one
0: scene I thought was really cool though. Uh, yeah, I mean you talk about the animatronics looking good. I think when the yellow bunny pops out at the end, uh, that was like a really cool scene, like where it comes in, out of the dark and it's like got its head bent and like the music's like blasting, uh, like really ominous tones. Wait, wait, did did you that get to you, that scene?
1: Yeah, that's that was cool. I guess I just no no single scene ever really struck me as particularly cool. Decent uh, the girl,
0: the the girl hiding in the vault pit. Uh, <laughs> Why
1: exactly would I be in awe of that?
0: <laughs> oh, I thought that was a great like uh, suspense. Uh, su- yeah, I, I thought that was like pretty suspenseful. Like the, there's a monster or the, the the animatronics like kind of stomping right around her, and she's like hiding in there. I thought that was like pretty
1: spooky, but not great. not so much. No, it didn't do anything for me. I mean, I love uh, okay. a good ball pit, but yeah. <laughs> this one wasn't that great uh,
0: what, what about some of the bigger themes of the film? Uh, I feel like they made a huge deal about like her eating and like to the extent where like when she was happy like they, they would show that by like oh she's eating a sandwich and asking for soup or at the end she wants both spaghetti and pizza like uh, did that feel like too like on the nose like you're using this as a proxy for like her her mood or their relationship?
1: I didn't really even put much stock in the the whole eating thing, but yeah, that's interesting. I guess it's just another thing to throw into the film, where it's like, do we need another thing? Yeah, yeah, I know. There, there. Oh, the other part that was really funny. The lawyer, uh, wasn't he? Oh, <laughs> yeah, he was just like a, a really <laughs> uh, like cowardly <laughs> wimp, and <Yeah. laughs> it's like, oh, I don't want to be here for any of this. Yeah. Her is a Cruella De Vil character too. There's so many things about this movie that are kind of childish, and then yeah, his backstory is not at all. I know he's like the one that's just like really down, where everything else is just kind of goofy. It's like he's in the wrong movie.
0: Yeah, yeah. I think yeah, the three movies are going on. There's one with like really silly characters. There's him, which is like a really depressing story, and then there's like a cool kind of like a monster movie or or ghost movie or something. It just feels like
1: they could have made like a more light-hearted and you know movies from our childhood god I sound like such a fucking old <laughs> we're gonna get some really angry reviews from like 14 <laughs> through 20 year olds. <laughs> yeah. Um I feel like so many movies from our generation you know they had this like young adventure vibe but they were also like pretty spooky and scary like Goonies? And dark to an extent, yeah. Or like Little Monsters even. Sure. <laughs> Which probably is not a good movie at all if I were to watch it now. But they weren't afraid to go dark with the scares, but it wasn't like, let's go dark with a guy <laughs> who's... Yeah. Like, it, this yeah. is... Not that I don't think kids are mature enough for that kind of thing, but it, it's just the tones to me are way off. Like, that is yeah. a deeply depressing backstory. And... Is It's not just, like, something he's struggling with. It's, like, we see that he's depressed. We see his life falling apart. He's yeah. in depressing spaces, like, sleeping and trying to capture this thing. I just, I sound like a broken record, but <laughs> I, no, it just blows my mind.
0: That's a really interesting point, because uh, I, I think even a lot of, like, new Disney movies, or, like, when I think about kids' movies these days, a lot of them are, like, diving more into feelings or, like, grief or trauma and like the role that plays and like kind of bringing those to light. So I I wonder if like, yeah, that's like the difference here is like we're used to kids movies in the 80s being one way and like movies today for kids do get like a lot more emotional and go into that extra depth about like other types of emotions or or traumas people struggle with.
1: Yeah, they do. But they don't go back to that dream like five or six times. They don't spend (laughs) so much screen time. Yeah, Even just like the colors in the dream, the colors in his apartment It's just so juxtaposed. Uh, You've got these, like, neon animatronic creatures. Why isn't this movie, like, more visually stunning? And they look good. The animatronics look good. They do. But they could have just, like, let that style soak through the whole movie and made it a more stylized movie. Instead, it feels like an A24, like, emotional slow burn whenever you're with Mike. Yeah, hanging
0: out in Nebraska in the woods. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know it's 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 a weird mishmash of of things going on here. Um, which yeah, in in, in uh, going by like what is in the game, the the impression I have is Mike and his whole backstory. Well, Mike's from the game, but that whole backstory, I think I get the sense is unique to this film. But do do you know?
1: Yeah, it's that like was my a- sense too. But yeah, I'm I'm okay. like the last person to ask, even after I did some research on it. Yeah, yeah, I, I didn't see any mention of like him uh, as a security guard,
0: like having a brother that was kidnapped, and that being like his driver or something, or, or I, I don't even know if Abby exists in the game, probably not. But yeah, yeah, I, I agree. Uh, they they added some things here which didn't really go with the rest of the film, or, or the vibe. Agreed. Uh, well, cool. Anything else you want to call out before we jump to the rating?
1: I think that's all I got, man. Sorry, I'm just a wet blanket, broken record. But I'm interested <laughs> to hear what you rate this because you sound more up on it than me. Oh, not, not, not so much, but yeah, uh, zero to
0: five uh, cupcakes eating people's, animatronic cupcakes eating people's faces. What would you give this one?
1: I give it two out of five animatronic cupcakes eating people's faces. I think it unsuccessfully tries to merge two disparate tones with an uninteresting and often nonsensical plot, and the opportunities for animatronic chaos and excitement are mostly left on the table, resulting in an overall dull affair for viewers unfamiliar with the games, like mm-hmm. me. Yeah, interesting. Uh, yeah, I, I agree. I was I was right
0: there with you too. Uh, of those uh, cupcake animatronic cupcakes, seeing people's faces. Uh, in my opinion, I I think uh, the I think the movie offers up some fun thrills, manages to bring the animatronics from the game to life, but unfortunately, the same can't be said for its human characters, whose four story arcs and motivations muddle the scares and plot of the film. So I, I think anytime this movie like stuck to the what works in the game, which is like the cool looking uh, animatronics, the, the, the paranoia that you're getting when you're looking at the cameras and like seeing where they are and how they're moving through the uh, through the arcade or the restaurant, I thought that, that all works really well. But any anytime they try to like uh, push in like the story or like these
1: uh, emotional character arcs, I, I feel like that that just came out of nowhere and didn't mesh with the film. Yeah, I really would have loved more time with the animatronics. And, yeah, yeah, to touch on what you said there in your wrap-up, they really, for all the time they dedicated to Mike's story arc, they really just didn't keep defining it thoroughly as the film went on. Like, he didn't really seem to have, it seemed like he had his realization of, like, oh, my sister's (laughs) important, I've I've (laughs) got to snap to with the life I have in front of me. Yeah. It doesn't really come with, like, a crescendo you know there's no single moment of him like waking up and being right. like holy shit like i i've wasted my life you know yeah uh, yeah exactly
0: yeah yeah it's, it's frustrating and, and i feel like he takes a lot of that like he, he gets that realization and then vanessa saves him then he yells at vanessa somewhere like oh now they have abby thanks to you and all this stuff it's like dude you, you took abby to that place uh twice and <laughs> knowing that they were uh monsters and stuff so I don't know they they're setting this up for a trilogy so I I'm curious how they bring I, I feel like they're gonna
1: bring Vanessa and uh this William guy back probably
0: yeah I think
1: I've read that Matthew Lillard signed a three-picture deal so there yeah. may be some supernatural going on with him too and then maybe that's how he can control the the kids um
0: maybe I think the last thing he says before he dies is or oh. like before they get him is like I always come back or something. I always come back yeah yeah damn so he's, he's been through this before mm-hmm well, uh, are you motivated at all to play the game or check it out? No, I am not. I mean, I... <laughs> uh, how about yeah. you? I am. I, I, I It's kind of fun to watch it and, uh, yeah, watch someone else play it and kind of freak out. And I, I think the movie made me a little bit more interested in uh, some of the thrills that you can get from the game. So I'll, I'll check it out.
1: Did you spend some time at Chuck E. Cheese as a kid?
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah, I did it a, a few times, which is really weird looking back on it, like the concept of that place and how gross it was. But yeah, yeah, It's did you... funny. I...
1: Blake on Discord uh, sent a photo. It's like a T-shirt, like a uh, ripoff of a Chuck E. Cheese T-shirt that says mechanical rat, pizza, and child casino. (laughs) And it just cracked me up because I was like, oh my God, Chuck E. Cheese is a child (laughs) casino.
0: (laughs) It really is. Yeah, you get tokens, you get prices.
1: (laughs) Yeah, you're like just games games of chance, wasting your money on them to get some cheap ass thing that's not worth the money you spent on the tickets. (laughs) Yeah. Do you guys uh, do you have any of those around you anymore?
0: No, I haven't seen them in a long time. How about you? I think there's one like down the street from us here in Chicago. I I, I guess I yeah I, it's there. Who knows? Maybe it's like been shut down for years. But I'm kind of curious. Is there an, there's not an age limit for that, right? Anyone could walk in.
1: Yeah, I think you need to be with a child if you're above well, a certain age. Oh, <laughs> I, I think that's fair option. <laughs> <actually. laughs> You've seen what what kind of people there are in this movie. (laughs) That's
0: true. That's true, I guess. All right. Well, anything else? (laughs) That's it. All right. Well, uh, that is going to wrap up our episode on Five Nights at Freddy's. If you enjoyed our discussion, please leave us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. That'll help other people find our show, and we always appreciate the feedback. If you want to join our discussion, you can find our social links on com, or shoot us an email at podcasts at com. we're going to announce next week's movie on facebook and twitter and instagram in case you want to watch it before the next episode we're also on discord where you can find us and other fans of the genre Uh, the link to that is on our website our logo is by amy may pop art you can check her out on etsy.com and find some cool merchandise to our show and until next time if you're in the market for a new job rather than visiting some creepy career counselor which i didn't even know was a thing try one of the more uh you know proven uh hiring uh sites like indeed or linkedin or something uh and yeah you might you might avoid getting it hired by some goofy guy that needs
1: you to guard a place for no reason <laughs>
0: well, yeah none of that added up right it didn't make any sense did it Why is there a security guard there?
1: Yeah, I really don't know why there would need to be a security guard there. That's a great question.
0: Yeah, damn. Just catching my head on that
1: one. Yeah.